You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Steve. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for loving us, for this opportunity to get together this morning to hear your word, to worship, and to fellowship with one another, Lord. Um, Lord, we just ask that you continue to uh, bless us, to bless the community, to bless our family, Lord. Uh, to bless Seth Switzer and his new in his church, Lord, as they continue to grow um, with their new building. Uh, we love you, Lord, and we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, everybody. Um, so now, faith, hope, and love abide. These things are these three, but the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. This was the motivation. Um, and the idea behind this little mini-series that's been going on for the last three weeks. Um, Two weeks ago, Pastor Dan spoke on faith. Last week, Pastor Sean spoke on hope. And this week, I'm going to talk to you about love. So luckily, I got a really easy thing to talk about. Um, (laughs) They they assure me that this is not hazing by any means. So... uh, the first place I feel like we need to jump into as we talk about love this morning is staying right in 1 Corinthians. Uh, this series was inspired by 1 Corinthians 13, and staying right in chapter 13 and jumping just a few verses ahead um, to verses 1 through 8, Paul talks about love, and he gives us actually a great definition. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have no love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. So the first thing that we see here, um, I know that this is a very popular passage. If anybody's been to a Christian wedding, you've probably heard this passage. Um, It's quoted and read from a lot, especially verses 4 through 7, where we have a really strong definition. Um, But... Paul gives us this detailed definition of love in verses 4 through 7. But the first thing that we see here, even before that, is that love is a motivation. There's a motivation of love here. Um, And that's kind of my first point, is the motivation of love. Um, In fact, it has to be the motivation. If you don't have love in your heart, then nothing comes of what you're doing. And Paul kind of talks on that. You can read all the books, you can gain all of the knowledge, half a dozen college degrees, but if you don't have love, it's not going to matter. You can give away everything you have. You can even sacrifice yourself up, Paul says, to be burned, is his, in his words. But if it isn't done through love, if the motivation, if your heart behind that is not for love, then, none of, then it's going to be fruitless. Matthew 23 and in Luke 11, Jesus criticizes the religious leaders for this exact same thing, for the motivation behind their actions. Um, If you remember, 
the religious leaders put on a big show. Uh, they would wear these huge phylacteries and these long tassels. And I know you're all going, what did just Steve just say? Phylactery? Right? He, he wore these huge phylacteries, which in the Jewish um, law at the time, phylacteries were these leather squares that they would put on their heads, they would put on their arms, and they would put verses, um, scripture verses in them, right? Um, and it was to show that they were keeping the verses, they were keeping God's word close to their head, close to their body, close to their hearts. Um, and so what had happened here, though, is Jesus criticizes them because instead of doing that for the love of God, because they wanted to be closer to God, because they truly wanted to hold God's word, a lot of the religious leaders that he's criticizing in the time they're doing it as a show of how, how amazing they are, how holy they are, right? They liked people kind of doting on them about what a great job they were doing and how, um, what, a, what a faithful person they were. So they felt that the bigger that their box was and the more of a show they made of it, it made them holier. And the issue was not the fact that they were following those religious rules. The issue was the fact that where was their heart? And Jesus says, you're doing it to make a show of it, right? You're doing this not because you love God, but because you want people to say what a great person you are. There were selfish motivations behind that, right? And the tassels were the same thing. The prayer tassels were connected um, as a sign of faith as well. And, and the longer their tassels were, right, the more that they, were, they were loved God, the more they were praying. There was a lot of things connected to this, right? But again, it was a show, and that's why Jesus criticizes them, is because of the motivation behind it. it was, they had lost the motivation of loving God and were instead were doing it for their own selfish motives. They were doing it to make themselves look good. He said, you've become, you lo the one thing you do love is having the best seat at the banquet, is sitting at the head of the table and getting acknowledgement that you're you know, the leader and that you know, all these things are of you, instead of pointing to God. Um, and so... He kind of discusses that himself. Um, even praying, they made a big show of praying. That's why Jesus at one point says, pray, pray, pray in private. Right? You don't have to go out and make a huge show of praying to show how holy you are. And that's what happened. They, weren't, they were no longer praying in front of everyone to lead people in prayer, to lead people to God. But instead, they were doing it basically to say, hey, look how great I am. I'm always praying. Right? Make sure you see me praying because I'm doing such a great job of it. Um, and so the motive behind it was not love. Um, they weren't motivated for love for God or their fellow men, but instead they had selfish motives. Jesus modeled having love. The most important core belief we have is based on love as Christians. Salvation. I can't stand up here and talk to you about love without talking about salvation. They're connect, the two are connected, and the motivation behind it is love. Well, I guess I could stand up here and talk about love without salvation, but it would mean that I'm just doing a self-help talk and not giving an actual biblical message, and we have way too many of those already. Um, in John 3.16, I know you're going, wow, Steve's really pulling out the classics. Well, you know, they're classics and they're repeated because there's a lot of truth behind them as in all of God's word. Um, in John 3.16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
This world is in a messed up state. I don't think that's a shock to anybody. Um, there's a lot of problems in the world today. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of destruction. There's war. There's disease. There's, there's pestilence. All these problems that we have, poverty in the world. Um, but the root of that was us, unfortunately. It was us who disobeyed in the garden. Yes, you could say it's Adam and Eve, but it's humanity. To be honest, any of us probably would have done the same thing at Adam and Eve's spot. It was us. It was humanity who disobeyed in the garden. It was us who ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And through our actions, sin and death entered the world. We destroyed the relationship that we had with God. But because God loved us so much, He enacted a plan to bridge the gap that we had made. For God so loved the world, that's what it says here. That was the motivation behind it. Not for God was bored. Not for God was lonely. Not for because God needed to flex his power. None of that was the motivation behind salvation. It was for God so loved the world. God sent his only son out of love. Jesus then perfected, then lived a life that was perfect. He suffered for our sins. He sacrificed himself. He took a punishment he didn't deserve. It was ours by right. Everything that happened to Jesus was, should have been ours. From the being tried, to the beating, the scourging, um, right? All of the, the, the punishment that he took on himself up to the execution should have been ours. It was our actions that had caused that. And he took it upon himself. He bore it all out of love. The love of the Father and the love of the Son repaired the damage that we had done so that all who believe in Jesus might have eternal life with God. The ultimate motivation of love. So what does love look like? If we're supposed to have the motivation of love, if we're supposed to do things out of love, with love in our heart, what's love look like? Well, we have a good, my second point is the look of love. And again, we've been given a really good um, idea here, right? When we read the scriptures, Jesus shows us what love looks like. Jesus was actually the ultimate personification of love in all that he did. When we look at 1 Corinthians 13.4, which we just read earlier, we can easily substitute Jesus in for love in that entire passage. Right? Jesus is patient and kind. Jesus does not envy or boast. He's not arrogant or rude. Jesus does not insist on his own way. Matter of fact, it was Jesus the night he was arrested in the garden. Right? Who said, Father, it's your will be done. He put the will of God above his own will, knowing he was going to be arrested, knowing he was going to be sacrificed, and he was going to be executed. Jesus is not irritable or resentful. Jesus does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things, believes all things, hopes in all things, and endures all things. 
Jesus provides us with a template of how love should look. We need to attempt each day to place our name in those same verses. That's tough. Right? Steve is patient and kind. I don't know. That's, I, I, try, I try, but not always. Right? Um, Dell does not envy or boast. That was a great guy. We could we could place our own names in, right? We could try our best, right? Uh, Tom is not arrogant or rude. We don't know. Carrie could probably give us a better idea, but Tom tries his best, right? <laughs> um, we need to make sure every day that we're trying to follow the same format and the same idea that Jesus gave us for love. The last time I stood up here to preach. Um, as I came up here, my, my, my wife Megan offered me a bottle of water before the, before the service started. And uh, I said, no, no, I got it. I don't need any water. I don't want to be burdened down by having water near me. I said, not a problem. I've done this plenty of times. So worship went on, the video played, and I step up here to start, and sure enough, I got a scratch in my throat. I'm like, <clears throat> right? Do you think I asked her for a bottle of water? No, 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 not at all, right? Because my own ego. I wasn't thinking out of love. She was thinking out of love when she was thinking about the fact that I might have, you know, might need some water, right? But my own ego, my own pride jumped, and I went, no, no, I'll, I'll just struggle through it. I'll, man, I'll manly, you know, man my way through it. <clears throat> um, every day, and that's just a silly example, but each day we're all presented in situations where it's very easy for our fallen nature to take control. It's very easy for us to allow our self-love, to allow our pride, our ego, right, um, our laziness. We have, a lot of it, we have a lot of sin in ourselves, and it's very easy to allow those things to motivate us instead of allowing love to motivate us, love for God and love for each other. We need to check ourselves. We need to be able to put our own egos, our own desires, our own selfish attitudes aside the way that Jesus did for us. Jesus said in John 13, verses 34 and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love each other. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus said that we're going to that people will know we are His disciples by the way that we love each other. That should be our calling card as Christians. It should be our calling card as an individual Christian, as someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. It should be our calling card as a church. It should be a calling card as Christians across the world, is that we love each other and that we love God. They shouldn't know us by who has the biggest sanctuary. They shouldn't know us by who has the highest attendance. They shouldn't know us by who has the best Starbucks in our cafe. Those should not be the reasons that people come to church. Should not be the way that people go, oh, well, river of life. right? I hope never that the first thing that comes out of someone's mouth is, river of life, well, they've got the best, best coffee. Right? I'm glad we have great coffee, and Rena and the people that volunteer in the cafe do a phenomenal job, but I hope that's not our calling card. Our calling card needs to be the way we love. 
Hopefully people would say, oh, River of Life, I went there and I felt really welcome. I felt loved. People cared about my needs. I felt there was opportunities to love other people there. I felt the love of Jesus there. So we have, we see that love is a motivation. We see what love looks like or what it's supposed to look like. And my third motive, or my third point here is the challenge of love. Jesus kind of gives us a challenge. Loving is not as easy, doesn't come as easy to us as we think sometimes. Last month, Pastor Sean was actually preaching. That's not a surprise. And he was discussing forgiveness. Um, it struck me, actually, because he said that forgiveness is something we must choose to do. If we try to wait until we feel until we feel that we forgive someone, it may never happen. right? We have to choose to forgive someone and then do that for it to start coming into our hearts. But we have to choose it ahead of time. We can't wait until we just feel like forgiving somebody. We must make the conscious choice to do that. One of the biggest lies, I think, that we've been led to believe right now in our society is that we have no control over love. We're taught that, or we're shown in movies and media and music, that we're just led around like puppy dogs by this emotion of love. To be honest, it's kind of insulting if you really think about it, that we have no pull and this love, this love just kind of carries us around. Um, really what's happened is it's become an excuse for really poor choices and poor behavior. Right? You'll, people, you'll hear people say, well, love made them do it. <laughs> right? It, this is dating me now, but those of you who are my age or older, right, remember the old song, I did what I did because love came to town. Right? <laughs> That love drags us around and forces us to do things. And that's not it, right? Matter of fact, I know that because nowhere in Paul's description of love does it th say things like love enslaves, right? Love does not cause people to do foolish things. People do foolish things because we're foolish, <laughs> especially when we don't have Jesus, right? If we don't want to be foolish, we need to become closer and know more of God's Word. God's wisdom makes us not fools. But unfortunately, we've been kind of pushed this narrative that love can be used as this excuse. And that's not true. Really, love has to be a motivation and it has to be love as Paul describes it. Love as Jesus showed us. That's what love is. And in no place there did love cause people to make bad decisions and bad choices. Jesus said he gave us this commandment. Um, he said, a new commandment I give to you. He would not command us to do something that's not in our power to do. If love controlled us or led us around, Jesus wouldn't say, well, I tell you this, love each other then. Right? Because you want to have a choice. Um, he says, I give you this commandment. I wouldn't say to you, I'm commanding you to breathe. You don't have a choice. You have to breathe. If you don't, you die. Right? So I wouldn't tell you, hey, today you should breathe. It's not something you have a choice to do. 
right? Breathing's out of your control. We must make the choice to love. We have to choose to love people. We have to choose to love God. We have to make the choice every day as motivation behind our actions. We live in a fallen, sinful world where left to our own devices, we tend to be selfish, greedy, and self-absorbed. I know, they're like, Steve, I hate when Steve preaches. Makes us, he's, talking, he's saying all this negative stuff about us. We're selfish, we're greedy, we're self-absorbed, right? But the problem is also is that if you remember from 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7, love rejoices in the truth. And so we have to tell the truth. And the truth is, is that we do have a fallen nature. We are selfish. We, do, we can be lazy. We can make poor choices, right? We can follow the wrong motivations. And it's not loving for me not to tell people that, because I fall into that same group, right? It's not loving to lie to people. It's kind of another, it's, it's another miscommunication or lie that we've been told, right? Is if you want to love people, you just let people do whatever they want. That's not love either, right? If I had a child playing with matches, but he was happy as all could be, I wouldn't let him keep playing with matches. That's not love, because I know how that's going to end up. I know it's not good for him. Right? I would take the matches away even if he cried. Loving one another doesn't mean you roll over, show your belly, and become a doormat. It doesn't mean that we give up on our convictions. We still have to tell people the truth, but it's how we tell them. And Jesus gave us a great example of this, and so did Paul when he wrote 1 Corinthians 13. Right? Paul says, love is kind. Love is patient, right? Love, um, you know, love rejoices in the truth, right? We can tell people the truth and be patient with them. We can be kind in the way that we tell people the truth. We can show people love and still tell people if they're doing something or they're going down a path that's going to hurt them in the long run. Um, most importantly, if they're going down a path that's going to lead to ultimate death and not eternal salvation. That's a responsibility. That's probably one of the first priorities of loving one another. Even the best of us without, is lost without Christ. We must make the choice to love each other. We must decide in each circumstance and every situation of the day that we're going to show love to each other. That's not easy. Jesus challenged us in this way. He set the bar very high by living a perfect life and showing us what love is supposed to look like. He didn't say love people when they're nice to you. He didn't say love people when they meet your expectations. And thank God for that. Because in my life, there's been a lot of times that I have disappointed people. That I've not met people's expectations. And I thank God that they didn't stop loving me because of it. There was no qualifier that Jesus put on that. He just said, love one another and love God. We must choose to love people and let that be the motivation behind all of our actions because love endures, love lasts, 
right? And Jesus, again, showed us this. Jesus showed us how to love people even when people are following their own sinful natures, right? Jesus with the woman at the well, he, he showed her love. He showed her kindness. He showed her compassion. But he didn't say, I love you, so do whatever you want. He told her the truth. He showed her love, and he said, now go and stop sinning. Here's the right thing to do. Now go and do, now go and do the right thing. If the question is, where do we go from here? Individually, as a church, what's in the future? Then as in all things, we have to look to Jesus. We must choose to have faith in Jesus. We must put our hope in Jesus. And we must love Jesus. And through that, everyone around us. Faith, hope, and love. That should be our compass as we move forward. So you should ask yourself, how will we choose to love today? How am I going to make love my motivation? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity again to get together. Lord, we ask that you opened our hearts. Um, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your example of love. We thank you for showing us perfect love. We thank you for everything you've given to us, Lord, especially salvation. Lord, if it were not for you, we would all be damned. Um, there would be no hope for any of us, Lord. But it was for your, for your sacrifice, for suffering, dying, being buried, and rising again, Lord, defeating death, that you gave us the opportunity to be saved, Lord, and to have eternal life with God. We love you, Lord, and we just ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.